We're going to the book of Psalms, chapter 8, and this is going to be, this is going to be perhaps just kind of hitched to what I preached this morning. We're going to hitch up a little bit to, uh, to what I had started on this morning. I knew there was no way I was ever going to get finished, but uh, we're going to begin in, in uh, verse number 1 of Psalms, chapter 8. And if you're there, say amen. amen. Psalms chapter 8 and verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing children hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. That thou might kill the enemy and the avenger. Now, I want you to notice the language and the shift of this. When I consider thy heavens, anybody get amazed when you look up and see the beauty in the heavens? He said, when I consider the heavens, when I consider the work of thy fingers, the things that you have formed, the things that you have made, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. When I see all the big things that you've done, it makes me ask this question. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I've seen the beauty of your creation, but still I wonder, what is it about man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visited him? For thou has made him a little lower than the angels. Now, this is interesting. I, in my opinion, I know Hebrews picks up on this as well. We're going to visit that. But this, this word angels, you made him a little lower than the angels. I think there could be an abruptness to the translation as they were translating the scripture. This word angels means it's Elohim. Elohim is the heavenly class of being, so to speak. In other words, God himself is Elohim because he's not of, of this earth, right? And so, as David is saying this, he's not just saying that you've made man a little bit lower than angels. But he's saying you have made man lower than Elohim. Man is a powerful, powerful being. But we do not walk in the fullness of what we have been called to. He said, Thou, Lord, Thou has made him. Now, I want you to follow this with me tonight and see if this sounds like the way you live. You have made him to have dominion over the works of Thy hands. All of the things I looked at that made me wonder. You gave man power to have dominion over every bit of that. But we are so happy to just be saved. I'm going to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord. If you will trust me, I'm going to go to Luke 19 and 10. Luke 19 and 10. And I'm going to preach to you from here. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save 
that which was lost. That which was lost. You hear this quoted a lot. and You hear people say that the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Speaking of humanity, but the scripture said that which was lost. I don't believe God has ever wondered where humanity was. But I believe humanity lost some things that the Lord came to redeem. And I don't believe it was just for our salvation. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we need you tonight. Lord, I have sought after you. You've dealt with my heart. You know the people that's in this room tonight, those that are watching online, those that will hear the echo of this meeting. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus that you would speak to every heart, every life. Let there be fertile soil for the good seed of the word of God to take deep root. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. I feel tonight that the Lord wants to help us in this place. And uh, I, I don't really have a good title for you tonight, but I want to just draw it from the Scripture, if I could. I want to preach to you, what is man? What is man? Now, I preached to you this morning, and I'm not going to regurgitate everything that I preached to you today, but we have some here that weren't here and some that will listen that, that need to understand the context of, of what I'm saying. But as a movement, we have become so celebratory over the new birth, and we should be. But the new birth is just that. The new birth is not the destination. The new birth is the beginning. We are born again of water and spirit. We love to preach the gospel message. And the gospel, simply put, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. But I, I want to ask you a question tonight, and I don't know that there's necessarily just an answer that, uh, that you would submit openly, but I, I want your heart to ponder this question tonight. If the only reason Jesus came was just for his death, his burial, and resurrection, then why didn't he just show up at 33 years old and die, get buried, and resurrect because he didn't just come to die he came to live and if you understand Adamic theology you understand that the first Adam disrupted and destroyed the processes that God had planned who is man that you are mindful of him because you have made man, if you go back to where we were, verse 6, 8, and 6 of Psalms, he said, Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things. Somebody say all things. You have put all things under his feet. But you and I celebrate every day the fact that at least we're not sinning anymore. Like the depths of the glory of God that rested on our lives 
was just so that we could stop sinning and celebrate and say, thank God, I repented of my sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and now I don't have to sin anymore. That's so true, and we do celebrate that. But that is the new birth. That is not the end. God did not create man so that man would just stop sinning. When God created man, man had not yet sinned. It was not God that introduced sin to man. It was man that introduced sin to man. No, no, pastor, it, it, it was the devil that introduced sin. No, it was the devil that had a conversation in an area of a garden that he should have never had dominion in. And when the enemy starts speaking in places that he doesn't have dominion in, but men fail to walk in the dominion that they've been given, my Bible said that God put all things. Now, I know, I know that we got a, a society that loves to be entertained by Hollywood. And because of that, we've become desensitized to the real world and what really goes on. And so we think that every story has a good guy, a hero, and every story has a villain. And so because of that, we connect those dots and we say, well, God and the devil are, are, are in the fight of the ages. And it's a wrestling match. And then when God, when God finally, finally gets the devil where he wants him, then he's going to come back and he's going to get the church out of here in the rapture. Now, we may not say that, but that's the way we live. We live like there is a war going on in this city tonight and that God's angels are coming down here and they're struggling a little bit to push back the powers of darkness. But I want to tell you this tonight. God did not make his angels to rule in the earth. And God himself. Now, this is going to rock your theology right here, but stay with me. God is not in control of everything that happens in this earth. Woo, boy, that's quiet. You hear a pin dropping here. If you've, ever, if you've ever rented a property, then you understand that you don't own that property, but you're in control of that property. God has ownership. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God is absolutely in ownership of the world. But we say God is in control when we don't know how that happened. When we're faced with circumstances that we're like, it's beyond our control. We say, well, I guess God's in control. Folks, listen, I'm going to mess with your thinking right here just a little bit tonight. I'm going to preach to you, but stay with me right here. If God is in control. God doesn't send a tornado flying through Indiana, Oklahoma, tear up a bunch of towns, and it look like chaos. If God is in control, this whole thing's fixed by lunchtime. It's over, and everything's right and perfect, but God is not in control. Your Bible said, your Bible said in Romans chapter 8 that the earth, the earth is subjected to futility. That the world is rocking and reeling. That the world is subjected to futility. 
God is not in control of what happens in the earth. God created man to be in control and dominion in what happens in the earth. But the earth doesn't have a man that will stand up and command things to happen. Now, now don't let this mess with you, but I'm not going to leave the book. God raised up men that when it looked like they were going to lose the battle, that a man would stand up under the power of the Holy Ghost and say, Son, you stand still because God's not done here yet. We, we're, we're, we're living in, a, in an area of life where we're saying, thank God that I'm not bound by sin anymore. Thank God that I don't have to worry about committing adultery anymore. While the enemy of your soul is walking in places in your life that he was never supposed to have dominion in. But when God created you, God put something in man that we would have dominion over all things visible and all things invisible and all things would be under our feet. I've come to preach to you on this Sunday night. The reason why you don't have to worry about sinning is because you've took sin and put it under your feet. Now I'm going to mess with you tonight, so stay with me. He said, what is man that you are... You're, mind, you're mindful of him. He said, because you have crowned him with glory. Somebody say, with glory. You have crowned him with glory. Glory and honor. This is the ability for men to operate in the earthly realm. Let me tell you, when God is, God is in control, then he tells the wind and the rain what to do. Oh, God, this is so wild. I, I hope this is better than clear as mud tonight. But when the earth is reeling and the rain don't know whether to be a sprinkle or a deluge, it's because there's no man in the earth that can tell the the wind and the rain, you you stop right there. Now, now pastor, let's just get real. Listen, I'm going to mess with you tonight. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost sent me here to mess up your nest. Jesus did not come to earth as God. He was already God. If he wanted to come to earth as God, he would have just shown up as spirit, did his little thing, messed everything. Jesus came to earth as a man. He was fully God and he was fully man. And the reason that he came as a man is to show us as men what God desires for us to be in creation. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? I'll tell you what was lost. Glory and honor and dominion. What was lost is when the devil came strolling into the garden, we took dominion and said, oh, you can have it. We took the glory of God that was placed on man and we said, okay, then we're giving you access to it. I don't want you to believe tonight that the devil is a weakling and he don't know what's going on. But I'm also tired of him getting glory for things that he has absolutely no power to do. I want you to know tonight that the devil only has as much authority as we give him. The devil don't know how to read your mind. The devil don't know how to hear your thoughts. And I don't care what anybody tells you. That's why it's important to pray in the Holy Ghost. Because the devil don't understand it. 
gave you the ability to pray in tongues. God gave you the ability to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you start talking, the devil is confused because he can't access the things of heaven. You can't do it. Y'all with me tonight? Woo! The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in the church is what restores dominion in the life of a man. It was always the intention of God for man to rule. And man, if I had, if I, if I had just the time to dive in, but I told you this morning, sometimes I feel like a broken record. But from the beginning, it was God's idea for man to have dominion. That was literally the first words that humanity ever heard at creation. The first word that ever fell on human ears was be fruitful. Have, have, have dominion. Be blessed. Multiply in the earth. And the enemy has been trying to convince you ever since that moment that that wasn't really what God meant. I'm telling you in this place tonight, I'm not here, this, I'm not just here in this house tonight to brush you up, fluff you up, and preach something to make you happy. But I'm here to preach to you the forever settled in heaven word of God. It is the will of God for you to be blessed. It is the will of God for your family to walk in favor. It is the will of God for the hand of God to be on everything that you do. It is not the will of God for the devil to predicate everything that happens in your marriage and in your family. Look, I'm telling you, the devil don't know how to speak through your mouth. And when the devil tells you it's over, you stand up in dominion and say I plead the blood of Jesus over my family I plead the I'm not going to give the devil access to things that he can't access I'll, I'll get where I'm going but I'm going to shotgun here just a little bit but I don't believe that God ever intended for heaven and earth to function separately. I've preached it all my life that there is always going to be a parallel in the spirit with what's happening in the earth. And I want it to be very plain to you tonight that you're sitting in a church that still believes in the invisible world. I'm tired, I'm tired of people being so worried that we're going to overemphasize the supernatural so much that we just get rid of it. I had a man tell me one time, bless his heart, he's an elder and I honor him, but he said, I don't know why people are always talking about angels. He said, what you need, bud? I know I said, what you need? You need some tissue? Take him, go sit down. He told me, he said, he said, we're always talking about angels. We don't need angels. We've got the Holy Ghost. I said, well, did Peter have the Holy Ghost in prison? Because the Bible said there was an angel that walked through two wards and an iron gate. 
While Peter was asleep and the angel smote him. And when he looked up, the angel said, get up and walk out of here. And he took the angel by the hand and walked out. Look, I'm not saying that everything has to be about angels and demons. But I'm telling you, it was the culture of the New Testament church that we we may be made lower than Elohim. But God created us to work in alignment with heaven. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? The will of God was done in the earth because Peter took the hand of the supernatural that led him out of that prison and he had to walk in the physical. It said specifically two wards and one iron gate. Every bit of that was what was manifested in the visible world. But when what could not be seen became visible to him and it connected with him, he walked in the physical realm There is an invisible world. And it's moving all the time. Woo! That's why you think preachers just get bonuses because we preach on what you led in your house. <laughs> I want to tell you, I, it, it don't make a difference. It don't change a dime of what I make or the shoes I'm going to wear. If I get up here and tell you, you can dress however you want to dress. Watch whatever you want to watch. Live however you want to live. Or I get up here and I tell you there's some things that if you let it in your house, you're releasing some invisible things from the invisible world into your house that you don't want touching your kids. I'm going to be pretty strong right here, but I'm going to tell you I believe what I'm saying to you. The reason why we're dealing with a whole generation right now that's trying to erase from the minds of children that God created you to be a man and God created you to be a woman is because we let a whole generation get babysat by a bunch of perverts that did it in cartoons and put it out there releasing spirits into our homes. You, you hear me when I tell you that Disney has babysat our kids for years and it's full of sexuality and homosexuality. Now they've got transsexual cartoons. Cartoons don't decide what they want to be. A man wrote that into the script. A man created that. I'm telling you, we are releasing things into the visible world because of what we entertain in the invisible Lift our hands to the Lord right now. <laughs> We've sat back in our spiritual recliners. While hell has walked right into our homes and we've been oblivious to it because it's entertaining. Folks, hear this preacher when I tell you this tonight. And I, I, I'm, I'm not here to just preach on holiness, but it's kind of hard when you're dealing with the holy things of God to not. Because he, heaven, heaven and earth were not meant to exist separately. 
It was the will of God for man to do the will of God in earth. Tell me how man fell. Are you ready? It was a harmless conversation. It was just a devil like this snake, I guess. And she's talking to a woman and, I mean, wow. It just happened. You know why it happened? Because it went further than it should have ever went. God made humanity to stand post and guard. That when that serpent comes into your house or tries... You stand up and say, that conversation ain't never going to happen because you're not welcomed here. I'm sorry tonight if this rubs you wrong, but I want to tell you, I've made up my mind. There is no such thing as anything good on TV anymore. Nothing. Not a thing. Well, I think, I, think, I think there's some wholesome things on the show. Talk to me about them commercials in between. Got women with their breasts hanging out, trying to sell you an ice cold Pepsi. And we think it's about Pepsi. No, it's not. It's about marketing. It's about images that come to your mind. And the Lord has given you power to put it under your feet. But when you sit back and relax and the images keep coming through, it's not under your feet anymore. It's in your hand. But you won't change it because it's harmless. Now, I, I, I come from a long line of holiness preaching. I mean, everybody thought Jesus was coming when Pizza Hut started serving beer. You think I'm kidding. There were Pentecostals that boycotted Pizza Hut for a while because we, we ain't going there. They serve beer. Well, I mean, now you can't go get gas. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I knew we was close to the rapture when Cracker Barrel started selling that junk. I mean, my God, you can't sit out on the old country store porch anymore. Yes, I'll take the vegetable plate with a side of sot drunkenness. Thank you. I mean, how bad is it when you got when you got to have a wine cooler with your cornbread? And y'all thought the gravy was going to kill you at that place. It's just slowly pulled it away. And because it entertained us and we enjoyed it, I'm not preaching against Pizza Hut. I'm not preaching against Cracker Barrel, so don't you go misquoting me. But I'm telling you, in the world that we live in, you've got to learn to keep it under your feet. Look, the devil is not setting the terms for my life. I am not going to live my life on the run from everything the devil tries to do to me. God gave me dominion to stand and say, you're not coming close. You're not coming in.
coming in. You're not touching my family. Me and my wife are not going to sit here and watch a three-hour movie about adultery and then hope that God saves our marriage. I'm not going to turn on a movie and laugh about transgenderism and homosexuality and then pray that God protects my children from that spirit. No, you got to stand in a different place. I am not standing in defense of this. I stand in offense. This is my family. This is my house. This is my church. And I will not be moved. How was it lost? When we moved to defense instead of offense. preached it I'm going to keep preaching it God's goal for man was dominion in the whole earth that's what your Bible says in Genesis man lost the battle in the garden why did he lose the battle in the garden because if the enemy can make you lost in the safe place you'll never take dominion in the world This is why I'm struggling so bad right now with decisions that churches are making in the 21st century. The things that we expel and the things that we embrace. Things that used to be a safeguard and protection to us now. We expel that, get it out because it's not relevant. But we'll open it up and embrace it. And Oh God. You know why? Because the devil's trying to win the battle in the garden. He's coming to the safe place where God visits us. He's coming to the safe place where the Spirit of God works with us, meets with us in the cool of the day. If the devil, if the devil can ever convince the church to lose their grip on the holy things of God, then he doesn't have to do anything to the world. Sodom was not destroyed because of the wicked. Sodom was destroyed because the righteous failed to be righteous. God, would you save it if I found 40 righteous? Sure I would. Would you save it if I found 10 righteous? Yep. What if I could just find five righteous people? Would you save it? Yeah. God said all the people have to do that understand righteousness is just be righteous and I'll save the people. So if Sodom was destroyed but God was going to save it for just a few righteous, then why was it destroyed? Because nobody would be righteous. Oh, no, no, it happened because it happened because of the homosexuals and, and, and the sodomy and, and, and all of that. You know, what, you know what Sodom's first sin was? Their belly was their gods. In other words, they had no self-discipline. Couldn't fast. A city with no discipline turns into a city of perversion. But people have always been perverted. The problem is that when perversion knocks on the door, Lot opens it up and says, can I help you? And when churches are gathering at their convocations voting on whether or not we can ordain that. God, it's true. If it makes every devil in this city mad tonight, I'm going to preach the truth. 
You know, you know why churches are falling into apostasy? Because they had conversations about it. You know why they're falling into heresy? Because they sat down at a table of debate and discussion. I'm telling the devil tonight, it's not even on the table. I was crowned. I was crowned with glory and honor. I'm not talking to you about it. There's an invisible world that every now and then God would give men that were anointed by him for seasons of time. He would give them the ability to view into that invisible world. The, the invisible world is not subject to the idea of what's invisible. It's subject to the one that's looking. In other words, I can't see it, but it's still there. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But God gave certain men at certain times the ability to open their eyes and see and when he did, the response is always something of this nature. I want you to see this so you'll know that they that be for us are more than they that be against us. Why does God want us to see that? Because if you'll keep fighting in this world, God's already got ambassadors. God has a government. This is a kingdom. And wherever there's a kingdom, there is a military. And that military is in the invisible world. And God has angels and generals that are lined up to fight for us. But if we sit down and stop fighting our part, then God's going to pull the angels off. If Pentecost ever stops talking about angels, we might as well bind ourselves to the creeds of denominationalism. It's the will of God. God put us in a place that we stay connected to that world and more closely than you think. I'm talking about more closely than you think. I've shared the story many times through the years about God healing my body when I was a boy. The Lord came into my room, laid down on my bed, pushed my chest out, fixed, and I woke up completely healed and whole. Late last night, I was out praying, driving around town. I drove past the house where the Lord healed me. And I stopped in the middle of the road and I said, God, in that house right there, in that house, you walked in and healed my body. In that house, the invisible became visible to a little four-year-old boy. In that house right there, it happened. And I'm telling you, you've come too late to tell me that we are not still connected to the things that we cannot see. We are still connected to the things that we cannot see. But we are frustrating angels. And we are frustrating the presence of God. Listen, I believe this. This is not theology. This is not doctrine. I'm telling you what I believe. I believe that those guardian angels, those cherubs that were placed there at the garden, I believe that God, that Adam had those to his availability. I believe that those cherub that guarded the Garden of Eden, but God sent there to close it off to man. I believe that Adam had access to those cherub. He just could not see them. And God, the only time God let him see those cherub is when he had, had lost his authority with those angels. 
Because on the day before he lost his authority with those angels, if he could have seen the angel standing there, he could have said to the angel, please excuse me, I'm walking into the place. And he had dominion in the earth. The angel didn't. Are you with me? I ain't trying to make you snoring Greek and dreaming Hebrew in here tonight. But I want you to understand there's more to life than just saying I'm saved. Well, he came to seek and save that which was lost. We were lost, and so now we're found. What was lost? I personally believe what was lost was the glory that we were crowned with and the honor that he put upon us as mankind. But the reason why he came was not to just die. He came to live. Now let's go to John chapter 1. If you've been in the church any time, this is one of those things that I tell you about all the time. If you're careful, you just read past it and like, okay, cool. John 1 in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And I still believe, Bishop, that the Word... It wasn't one of God. It wasn't... A part of God. It just was God. Right? The same was in the beginning. With God. Now, it goes into this amazing depth that without him was not made anything that was made. Because he made everything. You with me? And this light shined into darkness. The darkness coming in and out for the sake of time. Let's hurry. So the reason that he came is he was manifest in the flesh. In verse 14, the word was made flesh. The word was not made spirit. He was already spirit. You with me? He was made flesh because he didn't just come to die. He came to live. 1 Timothy 3.16 is really powerful here. If I had the time to interject it, I'd put it in here. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. But the word, the logos, that was in the beginning, that was with God, that was God, Became flesh. Okay? And what did it do? Dwelt. Just like us. That word dwelt is, is the same as tabernacled. The word was made flesh and tabernacled. There it is. He's here. He's just like us. I promise you. If you'd have pinched Jesus, he'd have said, Ow. Or however he said it in Aramaic. Ah! If you kick him in the shins, it hurt. Well, he's God. He ought to know better. No. He didn't come as God. He came as a man. And he came as a man submitted to the spirit that sent him. Are you with me? But he doesn't have to stop being God to be a man submitted to the spirit of God. 
What was taken from man, pastor? I believe the glory that crowned us at creation was taken from us because we gave it away. Why did he come to live? I love this because it's parenthetical. It's like I want to mention to you why he became flesh and dwelt among us. Parentheses. What's it say? We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What was lost? The glory. Why did Jesus have the power to step to the edge of... God, I felt the Holy Ghost right there. I just walked into something. Why did Jesus have the power to be asleep in a storm and the disciples outside of their dominion, outside of their glory, get afraid and say, oh, no, what are we going to do? Surely we perish. And so they, 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 they go over to the one that's got the glory and say, hey, 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 we're going to die. And he stands up and he looks and he goes, peace be still. Why did he do that? Because they beheld his glory. The glory that he could only have as a begotten one. The glory that he could only have as a man. But he came to redeem what was lost. And then he looked at them and he said, where is your faith? You know why that frustrated Jesus? Because he said, you have walked with me for several years now. And I have shown you that there are things that are subject to you as humanity. When you're in alignment with the will of God, you don't have to pray to the wind. You don't have to pray to the waves. He stood up in his glory and he said, stop. Can I submit this to you tonight respectfully and tell you that we've got to stop praying about things that God gave us the, the power to speak to. Look, I'm not here to be tweetable tonight. I'm not here to preach something that's going to be a good tweetable quote. I'm here to preach to you there's more to life than just being saved. There's more to life than just having the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you there is some glory that can come on the church. We pray over the things that heaven hasn't established and we speak to the things that God has. We pray over the things that we don't have direction over, but we speak to the things that we've got authority over. I am not going to pray the devil off my kids. I'm going to tell the devil, you shut your mouth and get out of here. You've been given dominion and you were crowned with glory. It's time to get in the glory. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let me hurry. I feel like I'm scattered tonight. I'm trying to get where I'm going. Is everybody doing all right? 
Is anybody more confused in here than you were when you got here? So how do we pray? When we pray, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Because some of us have been sitting around praying over things that God gave us authority to just speak to, and it's done. Are you with me tonight? Look, I'm not, I'm not here for the heebie-jeebies, goosebumps, and hand claps. I want you to know tonight who you are in the Holy Ghost. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse number 9, the disciples had asked him, said, well, then, Lord, teach us to pray. We are missing, we're, we're, we're trying to just simplify this and say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And people repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, grab their little beads and go through it. And That's not it. Jesus is laying down principles. Well, then teach us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, woo, where am I? I'm in earth. Where is he? He's in heaven. And God didn't expect the two to work independently. He said the point of your prayer is to have what's happening right here. Let's connect it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the first thing? Thy kingdom come. What? No, no. Let me make this clear. Do you know what happens when his kingdom comes? I'm going to mess with you. When his kingdom comes, cancer leaves. When his kingdom comes, demons leave. When his... I'm not going to stand and look at a devil-possessed person and say, you hear me now. You come out in Jesus' name. You come out. No. When his kingdom comes, that devil's leaving. I'm not going to beg a devil to leave. Well, you better stand there and at least find out what his name is. I don't give a rip what his name is. All he needs to know is, I know his name. He is Jesus, Messiah, creator of all things. Thy kingdom come. So we're we're saying, God, send revival. Send revival. Send revival. Send revival. And it's the prayer of the North American church. God, send revival. Send revival to this nation. Send revival to our church. Send revival to my family. Jesus said, tell it to come. You're down here saying, send it. Jesus said, come get it. You ain't hearing me. Lord, would you please, uh, would you please just send us revival? Because we're desperate and we're tired of having boring church. So it's dead, it's dry. Send us something, please. Did it just start raining? You can't make this stuff up. God, I'm about to take a lap up in here right now. Teach us how to pray. You come to me and praise the thanksgiving because you recognize where I'm at. I'm in heaven and you're in the earth. And everything you need access to, it's right here in my kingdom. And the first thing I want you to pray to me is just let it come. 
Let it come. How can you stand on earth and bring heaven to where you are? Because he crowned us with. Oh, my God. Who is man that you are mindful of him? You have crowned him with glory and honor. When we stand in the earth and we align ourselves with the heavens, his kingdom has to come. Pray, thy will be done. We can read this all day long, but we don't like praying this and really meaning it. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know what that's saying? Every preconceived idea you had about how it was supposed to happen, it's got to go. I'm done. I'll lay it down. I'll quit worrying about it. Folks, I can't tell you how many nights I've lost sleep trying to pastor this church, trying to preach this gospel, trying to love you sweet people and lead you sweet people. And I lay in bed, toss and turn, get up, walk the house, ball and squall. And when I wake up the next day exhausted, bags under my eyes, my eyeballs red, I didn't fix a thing. But when his kingdom comes... It changes everything. God have mercy. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down right now. But I'm telling you there is another level of dominion for us. That we're not just standing around rejoicing because we're free from sin. But we realize we can connect to another world. And the glory of God that was lost can be put on his people again. And we can literally call from another world the glory and the power and the presence of God. We beheld his glory. Why was he crowned with glory? So he could step to a tomb and say, Lazarus, come out of there. Lazarus, come forth. In the world, they said, it's been four days and he already stinks. But the one crowned with glory walked in and said, boy, get up out of that grave right now. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. I'm about finished. We don't have to beg God for the things that He's given us access to. Woo! Jesus. I believe with every fiber of my being that the end time church that the Lord is coming back for I have so, so many places tonight that my, my mind and my spirit I want to, I'm, I'm going to end with this tonight I, I believe that the Lord is coming back for a church that is crowned with glory not a church that's still sitting around just begging him to do something. If I could res- respectfully submit to you tonight, I believe the picture that, that God is trying to get us to see 
in the end time is that we're sitting here thinking that we're waiting on heaven. We're waiting on God to send it. We're waiting on God to do it. We're waiting on God to bring the miracle. And heaven is saying, look, just ask. When you pray, thy kingdom come. Jesus healed a man. The Pharisees looked at him and said, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Now in the King James Version, it said the kingdom of heaven is within you. Right? But when you look at, at the language of that, what he's saying is the kingdom of God is within the midst of you. In other words, the kingdom of God is standing right here in the middle of you. Jesus did not stand on the earth begging the kingdom of God to come. Jesus walked with the kingdom of God in him. And whenever he walked into the middle of the people, the kingdom was there. This is so foreign to some of our minds. I mean, why would we want that when we could have good church? I mean, let's be sure the song set list is just right. Be sure we practice on the music, get every note right. But I wonder what happens, and I know because I've been there, God have mercy. When the kingdom walks into the room and the glory that he crowned us with is so powerful that musicians can't even play. Y'all, I feel some mighty strong angels in here tonight. I'm not just asking God to help us have better church, but I want that. I, I want to be the best that we can be. I want people to come in here and enjoy what they see and enjoy what they feel. I, I, I want to preach things that people enjoy to hear. You know, I love to have fun. I love all that. But I'm going to tell you what I really desire in my heart. I desire for there to be such a revival in the hearts of the people in this church that people come here expecting one thing. They've heard somebody say something about our, our music. and Man, they got a pretty good low choir. Their choir does pretty good. But when they come on Sunday night to hear the choir, all they hear is the prayers of the people that never made it out of the prayer room so the music never started. And people come walking in from the prayer room into the sanctuary, drunk under the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost and the glory that he crowned men with. We're walking around with the glory on our heads. And the present, you know, oh God have mercy. Do you know what happens? The Bible said there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it said on each of them, you know what that was? It was the glory coming back. It was the glory coming back. It rested on them and when they walked out of the upper room the world said what is this I'm not going to chase this rabbit trail I got to finish I'm going to tell you there were a lot of churches celebrating things like Asbury and I preached to you about it I celebrated thank God for it but you know why? Because they were hoping that co that college, that revival in that college would take some of the pressure off the church. God, if you'll just pour it out on that school, then we'll go visit there. Look, I'm not going to rehash all that. I told you I celebrate everything God did at that college and everywhere else. But you're looking at a man tonight that don't just want to stand around and say, God, thank you, thank you for what you're doing over there. Maybe someday our ship will come in.
I don't know if y'all feel what I feel in here tonight, but I'm feeling it up my legs right now. I feel about half drunk standing up here right now. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place and leading us. Oh, God. I'm not just going to stand around and celebrate revivals that happen here and there and just a little bit. You know what I'm saying, God? I want your kingdom to dwell in me so that every plane I walk on and every city I step in and every pulpit I preach in, I want your kingdom to follow me. When I walk into a city, I want the devils to walk out. When I walk into a city, I want the witches to be converted. When I walk into a city, I want warlocks to be converted. I want sorcerers to be converted because the kingdom has come. Go ahead, Brother Small. Get it tonight. I thank God for what he's doing everywhere else but I'm rejoicing for what he's doing in Anderson right now I'm rejoicing for what he's doing in my city I'm rejoicing for what he's doing in my mission field revival is not coming the kingdom is here Do you know why Simon the sorcerer is in the scripture in your Bible in Acts? You know why he's in there? Because when the kingdom came through the men, what is man? The kingdom was on those men. And the glory was on those men. And the Bible said that Simon had bewitched those people for years. But when the kingdom walked in on those men and the glory that was lost was crowned on them. I said, what is this and how much is it going to cost me? When you've got something that's the most powerful thing in your town, you don't have to be afraid of what one other spirit or what one other person. God have mercy. I'm saying to you tonight in the Holy Ghost, I've got to quit. I'm saying to you tonight in the Holy Ghost. I will never be satisfied. I told my wife this week. She probably gets sick of hearing it. Bless her little heart. I was not created to be ordinary. I wasn't. I was not created to have a, have a, uh, just a a little moderate church. Just, no. I wasn't created to just go through life mundane and say, thank the Lord I got the Holy Ghost. No. I was created to make his praise glorious in the earth. I was created that what was lost in the garden. Bishop, the second man, Adam, redeemed all of that that was lost. We've got to access that. You know what I want? I want the glory on my head. Crowned on my head. It's on my mind. You you with me? crowned with glory that when I walk into a restaurant and you walk by people I'm not listen I'm I'm not being spooky I believe when somebody that spends their life in prayer and consecration when you walk in the room people feel it 
There's probably not three people in here that would remember the dream because it's been so long ago. But I had a dream before we finished this sanctuary. And, and that was uh, 2007. It's about 2006 while we were building this place. We hadn't picked the collars or nothing. And I had a dream that I was standing in this church. I saw it finished. And I was standing in this church. And up on the screen, when we built it, we put two screens up. We still got two. They're just these two have become one. Don't let that mess with you. <laughs> but I had a dream that there was a picture up on the wall of a toe tag. And I was telling this church about a man that had died. But in this dream, call me crazy. I know this is on the Internet, so I'm just ready for Start throwing darts. That's all right. Throw them dumb darts. We don't care. I had a dream that I walked by the morgue at the hospital. And when I stepped past the door, I heard. So I walked back to it again. And I heard. And the very next thing that I saw in that dream was on the screens. I saw a toe tag. And I walked down to the man in front of this church and I got him and I said, the toe tag belonged to this man. And I brought him up on this platform and this church rejoiced because God had brought a man to life. Look, you can call me crazy if you want, but we haven't seen the last dead man or woman raised. I'm not talking about walking up to wheelchairs and saying, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. I'm talking about walking up to wheelchairs and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Brother Harold Hoffman told the story. I'm going to give you the short version because he's a storyteller. It's amazing. But he had this man come into his church. Music, you can come. He had this man come into his church, and he was, he was rough. He was wild. He was a wild man. And Brother Hoffman said he got mad at him one night while he was preaching about something. And Brother Hoffman said he just got up, stepped out in the aisle, gave him the double-barrel middle fingers and said, Blank you, preacher, and turned and walked out of the church. Brother Hoffman said, I love you too. Man walked out. Don't nobody get any ideas in here tonight. <laughs> Sister Donna's my bodyguard. She'll whoop them. <laughs> said he got a call that that same man that did that in his church flipped him off both fingers, cursed him out in front of the whole church. Got a phone call and he said, he got killed in a car wreck tonight. Went into a morgue. He said, later that night, I guess, if, if I got it just right. He said, later that evening, his phone rang. I don't remember the guy's name. His phone rang. He said, Brother Hoffman? He said, yeah. Let's just call him Bill. He said, hey, this is Bill. He said, what? He said, yeah. 
can you bring me some clothes? He said, I thought you died. He said, I did. He said, where are you at? He said, I'm in the morgue. And they took all my clothes. I ain't got any clothes. He said, could you get somebody to come down here and give me my clothes? God resurrected that man. They counted him out because he gave him the double barrel and cursed him. You ain't hearing me. I'm talking about some people that you've wrote off. God's about to resurrect. They don't have to be in a morgue. They may be laying in a house tonight with a needle hanging out of their arm. But God's about to resurrect them. They may be laying in a drunken stupor right now. But God is about to resurrect them. And we're going to see revival. And we're going to see harvest. And we're going to see the kingdom. You've been crowned with glory. I know people have real chemical dependencies. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm going to tell you, I, I thank God for all of our programs. Thank God for every program there is. I thank God for all of it. Brother, Brother Anthony, can you come up here real quick? He didn't, he didn't complete the full, the full program. But he came home. But Brother Anthony went to Team Challenge in San Diego. And I thank God for those programs. I really do. It's amazing that God is doing such a work in Anthony's life. And he told me the other night, he said, Pastor, he said, I was in Phoenix. He said, I got addicted to everything. He said, I ended up homeless. I was living on the streets. Tell the truth. He said, I was running with gang members dark people. He said, I saw a lot. He said, but somebody tried to talk me into going to Teen Challenge my parents. He got a preacher in Phoenix there. They charged, I guess, and he said, I'll pay, I'll pay for it if you'll go. But he said, I've already talked to my parents. I'm going to go, but I'm going to go to San Diego. And on his way to go to San Diego, he got sick. He went to the hospital. I'm giving you a short version. But he went to the hospital, and they said, Young man, we got to keep you here. Bus left the next day. Is that right? The next morning, his bus was leaving for San Diego from Phoenix. He was in the hospital, and they said, We're going to have to keep you here. Your kidneys have shut down. We're going to have to put you on dialysis. If you walk out of here, you're going to die. And Sister Jenny, I don't know, is Sister Jenny here tonight? Sister Jenny. Called him and said, Anthony, if you want God to heal your kidneys, you'll be on that bus tomorrow morning. The doctors came in and said, we can't let you leave. If you leave here, you're going to have to sign stuff because you're signing your own death sentence. If you walk out of this hospital, they will find you dead. And the next day, it's a long, long story. He was late and delayed. Because of problems, he couldn't get there. He was an hour and a half late to the bus station to leave. And that morning, the bus was an hour and a half delayed. 
Anthony went to San Diego. He said, my back started hurting. I'd been doing some weights and stuff. He said, my back was hurting. I got nervous. He said, so I went to the hospital. He said, that doctor said, I've looked at all your old records, but we scanned your kidneys. There is nothing wrong with your kidneys. They're working at 100%. Whoa! I'm not just talking about people getting free from the chemical. I'm talking about God reversing the damage that was done in their body by the addiction. And God's not finished with it yet. God's not done with it yet. God's gonna finish the work. We're believing it. You mean to tell me it's normal for kidneys to go from 40% to 100% in a couple days time? No, but our God has crowned us. What woman in her right mind would call her grandson that has a death sentence and say, if you want God to heal you, you'll be on that bus. I'll tell you who, one that's been crowned. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to bind together. And Anthony, by your hands, God's going to crown you with some glory, son. And you're going to walk into the face of people that face what you faced. And you're not going to beg. You're going to say, in the name of Jesus, you be free right now. And it's going to come off of them. Brother Nate, I feel a shift in the atmosphere. Shakatala Mabashatala.